Greetings and welcome to Prepare to Fast Forward, ah. our chance to leave the past behind and concentrate on current pop culture. Wow. My name is Jason. He's Rich and that's Chris. Um, no, uh, hi, hi, hi all. Hello. No Steve tonight. He's got migraine, poor lad. So he's in suffering in a dark room somewhere. So yeah, best wishes to Steve. But uh, sorry for the little late start. But uh, yeah, we had Tevin's troubles, of course, as we would on our first live stream. But um, we're here. We started. We're only five minutes late. So it wasn't too bad, was it? I think it's bad at all. I think it's pretty good. It's all right. I'm impressed. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, big shout out to everyone in the chat. We have, uh, I say, you know, everyone in the chat, but there's Seth. Um, so thanks very much, Seth, for coming in. Hi. I hope you're. Uh, Hi, I hope you're sitting comfortably and ready for the for for all to crumble <laughs> around us and just be a you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, whatever it's going to be, but um, hopefully it will be an enjoyable show, whether it. Um, is uh, we, we keep ourselves together or it does all fall apart around us. But <laughs> I am rambling and waffling. You can tell I'm slightly nervous. So let's just get into the show, shall we, guys? Um, hey, Limp Biscuit, good to see you here too. Uh, thanks for coming in. Great to see you. Um, but yeah. <laughs> oh, That's my dear. friend Dust impression. But anyway. What have we got coming up on this live stream for you guys? Well, we have um, some wonderful picks of things that we've been playing and watching recently, uh, especially Rich's pick is quite an interesting one. So I'll be quite intrigued to, to hear what everyone thinks about that. Um, and um, I do have a question to ask us as a, you know, it's like a, a little getting to know each other for you, the listeners, and for us ourselves as well, I guess, you know, we're always... Uh, trying to learn and find out new things about us. So uh, I think that'd be quite interesting. But first, um, I did put out on the socials on Twitter mostly about a little competition that I uh, I tried to run to celebrate our first live stream. I thought it'd be great to give away a game. Um, this is probably news to Chris and Steve, uh, Steve, Chris and Rich, as you can probably tell by their faces. Uh, but it was for a, for a copy of Horace on the platform of your choice. Um, awesome. So I want to give that away. Shall we give that away now? Or should we just make them wait until the end of the show? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, I make, them wait. make them yeah. wait. Keep people Let's around. Just be mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll make them wait. Um, but Audience also retention. in this episode, we will be, yeah, we will <laughs> have um, uh, some listener feedback. We had uh, Limp Biscuit, who is, yes, Seth, absolutely. Make them wait for it. Good, good man. Um, but yeah, uh, Limp Biscuit very kindly sent in an audio file of uh, a couple of programs that he's been watching and enjoying recently as well. I say two programs. God, I'm so nervous. What's going on? Um, <laughs> he's sent in uh, an audio about a game that he's played and a TV show that he's watched. So we'll play that a bit later as well. Um, so thank you anyway for Limp Biscuit for sending that in. But anyway, I'm going to stop waffling. I'm going to let these two talk a little bit more so I can have a drink and just get myself settled a little bit more. Um, but guys, the, the the question that I've got for you two is, uh, mm -hmm. what is your go-to road trip snacks? And uh, Chris, we'll go to you first, mate. It, being, being a driver, 
Uh, it depends on mood and where you're going and how long your road trip is. For me, it's always ready sort of crisps, peanut M&Ms and skills. That is a good choice, lad. Mm. I, that, I, I admire you lad. for that. It's even better when you've got a bag of pretzels and you put the pretzels in with the M&Ms <laughs> and you just reach for them and just grab a small handful. That's a pro move, dude. I would never even think to do that. Yeah, got to keep that sweet savoury thing up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. chucking some, chucking some dry fried bacon. You know, what? you know, just. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jerky. I don't know, actually. Oh. I don't know, actually, because like bacon is something that probably go, obviously goes with a lot of things, but actually goes with quite a lot of uh, things that you wouldn't even think to pair it with. So it could actually yeah, five, work. Five guys, yeah, five guys put it in a milkshake. Exactly. So win-win. I can't believe that when I was yeah. in the States, I saw that. Not tried that yet. In a milkshake. <laughs> and I was like, I have the, to. Nearest, I have to try yeah. that. Nearest five guys to us is a hop over the water, but very rarely doing that in Portsmouth, I think. I think Portsmouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. just popping out for a yeah, five we, guys, love. We, See you yeah, we've got to go into ferry to get anything remotely interesting. So, um, yeah. Cool. Uh, chat, don't, yeah. Um, yeah, chat, uh, send, in, send us in your answers as well. We'd like to see them. Uh, Seth has said peanut M&M's is a good answer. So, uh, and, and absolutely, I think peanut M&M's is a good answer for anything. So, you know, it's, it's the go-to M&M's. So. I love that. The most American drink, we put it in our baby bottles. <laughs> That's brilliant. All right, Rich, what, what's your go-to snack, dude? If I'm going to say savoury, I'm going to say just nice salted corn nuts because they are, like, the best thing ever. I love corn nuts very much. Mm. Um, sweet, I'm going to go with Reason chocolate juice because they're the, the best thing ever. I love them, and I will eat them. Oh, in the front or the back of a car, depending on where I'm seated. Uh, yeah, I would just demolish a bag of reasons without fail. So, yeah. That's my nice. choice. Not... Keep you quiet. Hmm? What you going to say, Chris? Hmm? Keep your quiet reasons. Oh, yeah. Because they're great, and then you start to chew them, and then they just stick to your teeth. And Screw, screw your braces up as well. My dentist will each one, that. You know... Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it ripped it clean out. Seriously. Oh, I was I was a brace wrecker. Mm-hmm. Were you a brace wrecker as well, Rich? Yeah, yeah. Didn't we have the same orthodontist as well when we were kids? <laughs> Mister Bentley, more than likely. He had cross eyes because he never and wore glasses. Was it Ricky he never Kane wore goggles well, while it? doing it, and he got hit by a a bit of a tooth when he was drilling. Hit him in the eye, and he got cross yeah. eyes. Oh no! So. True story. An absolutely lovely, yeah, absolutely lovely guy. Like, just, uh, yeah, and you're standing there and he's putting injections into your mouth and taking teeth out. And his, literally, his eye is looking into his nose bridge. It was, uh, yeah. He's got, he's got those mortgage guy, eyes, though. you know? He's got those mortgage eyes. One fixed, one variable. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how we can go from peanut M and M's to this? It's amazing. I love it. Um, yeah. Seth in the chat Rest is, in peace, is asking if if, uh, if we have. Uh, yeah. yeah, Seth is asking in the chat if we all have combos, but I don't think we do, Seth, because I'm not really sure what that means. I've... Combos are like 
chips. Really combine um, several snacks in the same bag. Combos, are they kind of like bugles? I can't remember Combos now. is in combination, or? They are like a potato chip, like a US potato chip. Um, they are oh, very okay. yummy. Ah. Uh, awesome. I can't remember what they're like now. Um, oh, no, no they're kind of, close. yeah. They're like little cylinders, so. But you get like a pepperoni pizza flavor, but they're like kind of stuffed as well. They're like little pretzels, but they look like little cylinders basically mm-hmm. they are yummy they sound amazing i'm not gonna lie they sound amazing um but yeah for me um road trip snacks bit of uh kind of more like the crisp side really we always go like chocolate sides you know skittles m&ms fruit pastels um that those kind of things uh we've been known to destroy a couple of packs of soft mints which <laughs> Which was quite interesting later on in the day. Um, I was going to say, that, that would clear you <laughs> out at the end of the trip, wouldn't it, Chase? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we always have a bag of humbug mints in the car as well because, you know, they're nice to, nice to have in your mouth while you're driving, you know. You've not got a, pair, a pack of Werbers in the trip either if you chase No, we're not, we're not that old yet. Okay. No. I mean, Chase is delicious butter but humbug, candy. But humbug, but humbug mints are fine. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. That's my road uh, road road trip snacks. But um, man, I kind of I kind of want these combos. I want to try them out. Sound amazing. Combos are banging. Um, can confirm. Yeah. Then biscuit in the chat says black and red wine gums. That's a good call, dude. Can't say no to a wine gum. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, let's. I tell you what, I've got as well. Flips. Chocolate coated pretzels. Oh, yeah, yes, the white chocolate ones. No, I'm not a fan of white chocolate. It's too sweet. Yeah, of course. It is. It's just like just meh. It's just there, isn't it? It's just like <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's enough chat about snacks. So we just get into the program itself and um, let's chat some stuff. We already guys. Oh, yeah, are you really? all sitting comfortably? Well, I just hope the listeners are sitting comfortably as we prepare to fast forward. Let's get into what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And uh, Chris, why don't you start off the conversation? Well, I have recently, the past week or so, completed The Last of Us Part 2. Nice. Good choice, dude. Um, again, I'm three years late to the party, but I went in relatively spoiler free, which I don't know how I managed to do that, but I did. Um, I remember the rumors happening sort of like before release. Um, maybe I'll just put it all to the back of my mind. Um, but then as soon as I started playing it and looking up information and sort of like you get lost in a few zones, you know, oh, I need to go for a walkthrough. Then all of a sudden the videos appear in your YouTube algorithm and you're like, great, that's just, well, that scene, fantastic. Thank you very much. So I went three years with not a single spoiler and then I start looking up information about it and then here comes YouTube to ruin your day. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I... 
the game is far from perfect. Um, I don't know if any one of you guys have played it. I have played it, yes. I played it um, maybe two last year maybe or maybe the year before i can't remember uh, i can't oh. remember what it was it was it was it was after um its release because i remember going into game and picking it up brand new still sealed for like 12 quid and i was like Haha, i'm having that because i loved the first one um but oh, the, yeah um but uh i never picked up the second one on launch just because the, it was right in the pandemic and yeah. I was too busy playing Animal Crossing, dude. I mean, it's, <laughs> Animal Crossing just all... took my life over at that point. I didn't watch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, uh, Animal like Crossing didn't even make me want to buy them. Yeah, didn't even want to <laughs> make me buy Last of Us Part 2. And I had such a great time with the first one. But I'm kind of glad I waited because um, picking it up for such a cheap price, it was it just made it even better. But yes, Chris, the yeah, answer to your question is I have I have played and completed it. That's exactly what happened to me. I just happened to be in Sports Direct. Now, I the merger of Sports Direct and Game turned something that had already lost its soul into a soulless entity in the forgotten corner of a sports store. I don't know if anyone's been into a game store recently, but oh yeah. my fucking God, it was just, there was no energy. There was no, it was just, it was just there in the corner of a sports store behind fucking Calvin Klein and Hugo Boss. So what is going on? Like literally all the charm that game ever had yeah. is gone. And it was there for £16 for half price. Next to the uh, pre-owned Lonsdale um, stuff. Like you, Jason, I was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 and um, I picked it up for sixteen quid, and I was like, "Yeah, I've been waiting for three years to play this." And I was like, "Boom!" Uh, I've only played it through once, but um, the, there's right. Don't take this the wrong way. There is no issues with the game itself. the 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 worlds, the character building, the animation, everything is a masterpiece. The way, like the blood would run when it rains, on on the skin, you know that kind of level of detail. The issues I have are purely uh, narrative and structure based. Um, are you familiar with the game at all, Rich? Yeah, I mean, I played the first one, and I know about the second one. I know pretty much all yeah. the story beats of the second one, and that. A lot of grown men yeah. were upset about Abby's it's... arms because, ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And it's it's stuff that, um, it's, again, what it is and what happens to all fandom is the, the people, so-called fans, are the people who destroy the legacy of the games or the property that you're a fan of. And that's what happened with this game for me because I was looking on different message boards, different walkthrough guides. I was trying to find a certain area, couldn't find it. And then I went down a rabbit hole on different forums. And I'm like, do you know what? Fuck you guys. <laughs> so I came straight out there and I went straight on to, I think you're, wait on to Eurogamer and just didn't go to any comment section, nothing, and just followed their walkthrough of um, various areas. But 
narratively, uh, you know, spoilers, the game's been out three years, Joel dies in the opening act. That didn't affect me, but some butthurt fans were like, like, we saw it coming. Fans of the game saw it coming. Um, the first game I consider to be Naughty Dog's masterpiece. Now, I love Naughty Dog. And it goes back to Uncharted. I love those games. Uncharted 3, yeah, that was that That's was a shame. And But then they came back. Yeah, and they were like, right, um, yeah, the third game was a misfire. And they came back with number four. Absolutely blinding. Then the last just part two, and I was like, right, gearing up. And... The, just the narrative, for some reason, um, it was split between the two. So you play the opening as Ellie, and then the last, you know, mm-hmm. acts, yeah. you could say the last, what, 10, 5, 10 hours, you play as Abby, which is set up to be the antagonist. Now, a lot of people had issues with that. I didn't. I was fully on board. You humanised the character, and you... You understand that what Ellie's, what Ellie is doing, is she's becoming the person she hated at the beginning of the first game. She's not that optimistic person anymore. She's this really hurt, traumatized person. Because what was it? Eight years between the first game and the second. Yeah. And then so. you get this antagonist, yeah, that comes in and sets a trap for everyone, and Joel's taken out, and Ellie goes on this revenge story basically it's your standard revenge story and then it flips to the same three days you then play as abby on essentially the other side of the tracks and the performances are fantastic when you listen to ashley johnson play those lines it's just a full of emotion and energy but the the game's narrative, by doing that split down the middle, if they had had it more linear, I think it would. I think it was just, I don't know, it, the, the split down the middle was just too, too much of a split. See, I love that. that I love that part is, of the game, you yeah. know, because it was such a big surprise to me um, that that yeah, happened. Yeah, it was to me as well. And that um, thinking I was going to be playing as Ellie for the whole point. The whole part, and then it kind of all swiveled around and twisted towards this, you know, to to, to Abby, and and getting to know Abby and getting to to learn mm-hmm. about, like like you mentioned at the beginning, um, where where Abby was the motivator behind Joel's demise, and then, mm-hmm. but then you get to see it from her perspective. You get to see why they were hunting him and wanting him dead. Um, and I think that was the strongest part of the game for me was the, um, was the, um, starting to feel emotions and starting to feel sorry for, for Abby as well. And yeah. in some ways not liking Ellie as much as I did and thinking that, you know, Ooh. Ellie was the, was you know Ellie was like the high and mighty. She was like the big, um, that's you know the big heroine of the story. And then you get this whole second part of the game, and you get to see this side, and it all kind of twists around inside your head. And I think that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I walked away from playing the game, 
that I was like, wow, that that game made me feel that. I think that's what you're probably yeah, dealing with with these kinds very- of like games, these kind of narratives. Is obviously you're dealing with a lot of like very damaged people that do questionable things. And it's easy just to be like, oh, yeah, that person's that's, yeah, that's pure exactly... evil and she has very muscular arms and I find it unattractive and I must hate her and go onto Reddit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, yeah. But, uh, I get that, why people get on our That wasn't my issue at all. It was... I know it's not your issue, Chris. <laughs> Some like, people. The... <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, I. that's why, that's the same reason why I decided, no, enough discussion boards, I'm done. I'm just going to go for a walkthrough and search certain chapters manually because I can't be doing with it because the the game is stunning. Mm. Um, it looks gorgeous. It plays so well, and they've they update they've updated all the mechanics, all the animations, the crafting. Everything is superb. But that moment when you get to know Abby, and then she realizes that the wolves aren't who she's taught they were. She sees these holes forming about how horrific they are. She meets up with these group of seraphites and she realizes that her the group of wolves are on the top of the pecking order. The important people are the people at the bottom that are trying to survive. And she realizes that halfway through her story campaign that the people she's rescued from this hanging and she even says it in the game, these are my people. She steps away from that old life. But what I struggled with with the game is you like any game, you progress, you there's not as much infected in this game, which is a Relief. a clever idea because it's more of a study of human nature. Uh, human human beings are the most violent species. It's that kind of study, and you come away, and your brain's just like, wow. It it just shows humans are destructive, we are violent, we are self-righteous, and we are to be feared, not the infected. And the message was through pretty well and good, because my, my main issue is you go through the whole game, and you're killing hundreds and thousands of different people, NPCs, you're blowing them up with arrows, you're throwing molotovs at them, you're setting traps to blow them up and their dogs. And then you get a moment where, especially at the end, where Abby is willing to just let all of it slide. Um, I can't fight you anymore. She's, she's literally been crucified at the end, right? And she says, I don't want to fight you. I can't do this. So Abby has closed that, that book, but Ellie has gone on that. She's said goodbye to her perfect idyllic life to hunt this person down for revenge and Ellie can't do it and she breaks down. And to me, that's a really good humanitarian look at the game itself. But that's all well and good if you only kill two or three people in the 35, 40 hours you're playing it. But after you've moaned down a hundred people in just one section of the game, and then she can't bring herself to actually kill the person who killed her father figure, it just narratively just doesn't blend well. I, think, I know the whole point of the game is to go and I've, mow people down, but I think that's that's you've just hit it. You know, it's a video game. You know, we 
if yeah, it, if it was trying thing. to tell the story. But like you say, you only had one or two conflicts in the whole 40 hours, 30, 40 hours. Probably wouldn't it make wouldn't for a very enjoyable. good video game, would it? So, no. you know, it's, it's the same with that, Uncharted. That, you know, a lot of people said that about Uncharted. Yeah. You know, Nathan's going down all these people and everything. And it's just so... Yeah, it's just mass murderer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it's, 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 but, it's, a, it's a game. It's the, just... I've seen people seen people edit it into like, a, I think it's like an eight-hour eight um, cut of that cut scenes and various uh, gameplay footage to set up. But it's one of those things where it's very disjointing, but that was the only negative I have on the game. Other than that, the way it portrays humanity and different groups of humanity is fascinating. And I've been listening to since I've completed playing it, the official last of us podcast where they interview Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. And they they say that they were breaking down filming these scenes because they've all suffered from these issues that these, these people are literally like we are living lap, lap of luxury. And a lot of mm. complaints I've seen about the game was it's too dark. It's too slow. It's too brooding. It's too depressing. The first game was about optimism. The first game had this positivity, almost this positivity out of negativity blooming in the middle of it. And I said, yeah, people have been saying that this game is the opposite, but, that that's kind of the point you're you're seeing damaged people trying to find themselves and ellie finally finds herself and she throughout the game in the first game she's this kind of lovely little person with optimism and in this this game she's a tortured tortured soul and that's fair and i think considering what she went through in the first yeah. game fair yeah and it it's also I don't know if you can call it consumerism culture where they people have to be spoon fed every piece of information. There's been eight years in between game one and game two. Joel lied. She found out. So she's had essentially survivor's guilt for eight years because Joel took that choice away from her. And one of the best scenes in the game is at the very end where there's a flashback. Joel's on the porch playing guitar and Ellie says, I can't forgive you for what you did at a hospital because she said t- them taking my life could have made a difference. Now this is where story story driven games are so superior to just your standard, you know, point and shoot run games where it blows you away on a cinematic level. It is absolutely immersive. The emotion that they're getting for the performance capture, the, the voice acting is on. It's just superb. And she just says, I could learn to try and forgive you for what you did. But Joel taking that choice to take, because she said her life could have meant something and the cure could have been developed. But he took that choice away from her. Mm. The choice that she made walking into a hospital and said, you know, yes, I'm going to do it. But Joel being the selfish father figure in a way, didn't want to lose another daughter figure. So murdered a whole hospital full of guards and nurses and doctors to do so so you've got a lot of trauma bubbling over and this game deals with ptsd in a way i've never seen a game do before and i've been in dark places um and you guys probably have too and it's difficult to get out of 
and yeah. you never forget it and you you try and put on this face you try and survive and that's the whole point of these games is to survive and i just think it was a sublimely done game and i think in an ideal world you could do your own edit of the game you could put certain bits in different areas but again it's entertainment it's it's a game it's a completely different medium and i consider the first game as one of the best games ever made and i've played it through numerous times and each time I notice something different, I play it slightly differently. And we'd be amiss not to mention the performance of Abby, how you, the developers, uh, Neil Druckmann said, you're supposed to hate her in the beginning. Which you do. You're supposed to, Which you do. Yeah, you're supposed to despise everything about her and the people there. But then when they fleshed the story out, of her friends and the stadium, which is an awesome, awesome <laughs> place, and and the wolves, and you start to see it from there. And then the people that Ellie has killed up until that point appear as fully fledged human characters. And then you start to feel Ellie's just an insufferable prick <laughs> of a of a human being. Yeah. She's yeah. a horrible human being. She has turned into the person that she never wanted to be. And I I don't know where this part three will go. It's difficult to un- like work out. But yeah, the last of us part two is a high recommend for me, and um, it's just great all round. And when you get to know the antagonist, um, everything becomes clear. Yeah, you almost you almost sympathise with. Abby more than Ellie, yeah. which is so difficult to balance, especially in games. Yeah, absolutely. And you start to think, you start to think, shit, like we've been idolizing this horrible person, like <laughs> who is out for revenge. But then you realize that they're, they're both human at the end and they both have the humanity in the end is none of them, neither of them kill each other they let each other go and that's the humanity. Yes. You've just moaned down about thousand body count, but at the end you, you show the humanity and you just let, let things go. Yeah. Ellie couldn't be that person. She, she couldn't be that person. No. And that to me is the smallest yet amazing character growth because it's mirrored with Abby in the theater. Mm-hmm. When she comes across and she's got the knife to Dina's neck and the gun to Ellie's head and she says, I never want to see you again. And she lets it go then. But it's Ellie's persistent, like, crusading that they meet again and again for the third time. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a standout game. And um, I'd be... I miss not to mention how amazing the show adaptation is. I don't know if anyone's seen that yet. I haven't watched it I yet. Have. To be I'm mixed about it. I don't hate it, but I feel like people kind of shat themselves. Yeah, over it for, it's there's a lot of episodes. It's like there are moments where I'm like, I, mean, from... I don't pretend it's nearly anywhere on the the low level of The Walking no. Dead. But there's episodes where I'm like, it could be like a Walking Dead episode where nothing really happens and it just feels a bit like. I don't know. Yeah. It, First it episode does is suffer powerful from the cli- as hell. Yeah, the clickbait like, television bug. Mm. Um, 
I mean, I've I've only watched it through once, so it's again like like you said, Rich, quite quite correctly. You you sit there and go, "Oh, this is great. They've done this. They've done that. They've changed this." And then you sit there and think about it like this conversation now, and I'm like, actually, do you know what? <laughs> there are moments. It's clickbait TV, and it's 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 good. And Pedro Pascal is fantastic. And don't get me started on the vitriol that Bella Ramsey has been receiving because. That's just uncalled for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, from what I've heard and from what I've seen in the clips, she did a uh, great job. So, I mean, that one incredibly it's, beautiful it, episode, wouldn't it? She Hoffman, doesn't it? deserve. Just, like damn, like oh, that the the way they took that small character beat in the game, um, where Joel and Ellie get the truck and some supplies, they turned a. Essentially, a throwaway character that meant nothing, but gave it the same, the same outcome where they get they get the truck. But that episode of Bill and Frank is probably one of the best episodes of television ever filmed. It's just, it's stunning. Yeah, I've heard that one's a standout. So I will get around to it one day. I will get around to it one day. But yeah, you know what times like these days. Well, it's. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's going to be a while till season two, yeah. unless all the um, the SAG after strike is still going on. So yes. yeah, Seth in the in the chat said it's going to be fascinating to see how they approach all the stuff that you said about the Last of Us two in into the second series into the TV show, um, which I totally agree. I I kind of think they're going to split the 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 second game into two seasons. I think they're going to have one season with Ellie and one season with Abby. I think I think that's how they're going to. Maybe approach that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about it as well. Like you, you think you've got you've got TV, so you've got theoretically three to four seasons, which is common these days. Actually, three to four seasons, so you could fill in the gap between um, season uh, game one and game two by filming the flashbacks and fleshing them out into episodes, mm. and then season three kicks off where you have the opening to the you know. Like I said, Jason, season three becomes the first half of the second game, and then season four becomes, you know, the next half. So yeah, it'd be very interesting. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, there's a there's a one actress that I feel like should definitely play Abby. I know she's in season three of Mandalorian, and her name has completely escaped me. But she's like jacked to the gills, and she's a really good actress. And really? I cannot remember her name. Yeah. Yeah, I that might that might be the person I've seen rumored as well because uh, when I looked at an image search, I was like, "Wow!" Like, I can't even think now. What is her name? Because according to rumors, they've come to a casting decision, but it's not gone public yet. So because of the strike, browsing now. We all stand with you at the SAG after strike. Absolutely, solidarity. Yeah, no, Last of Us Two, perfect game for me. <laughs> Um, it was it was everything for me, you know. I mean, I love the world building. I love like how they put so much detail into the stadium and everything that they lived in. I loved the character. I loved the story. I loved the combat. I loved. Uh, I loved Ellie's relationship. I've forgotten her girlfriend's name now, but I loved that relationship. I loved what they did with Ellie and Joel. I don't think there was anything I particularly hated about it. To be honest. It, Everything. It was just the perfect game for me. Just absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not 
cold on the game. It's just, I think... But again, everyone's got their own personal opinion to certain things. I just think the narrative could have been improved a little mm-hmm. bit structure-wise, but that's just me seeing my own viewpoints. Yeah. Points. But what, I, what the main theme of that game is, and I... I've recently, you know, in the past two years, been through the same kind of survivor's guilt myself. Where um, I think the game is a very good commentary on um, say what's on your mind, don't keep it to yourself. And the moment, the moment of not retribution. What's the word I'm looking for? Between basically when Ellie finds out that Joel did that at the hospital they fall out and that was never repaired yep that rift and i found that deeply moving actual fact i got goosebumps on when i was reading um the uh, neil Druckmann's um like announcement uh, commentary on the games and to to have that closure or that um, thing taken away from you before you have time to repair that rift is a horrible thing to realize mm-hmm. that it will never you will never make friends or you will never reconnect again and it gets deep man that's that's some deep shit right there that oh, is yeah. um very deep that is because you can translate that to losing a parent to a sudden illness or in a car crash or other means. Mm-hmm. And you never know what's going to happen. And that's the saddest part of this game is that they never, they never became the alien Joel we had in the first game. Yeah. And it's a shame because things change. People fall out and it's a universal thing. And I've been talking way too long. <laughs> um, yeah, we do. <laughs> the time is ticking, dude. We need to... Uh move on so uh, yeah no it's a great great pick dude and it's an amazing game talking away I don't know what I'm to say I'll say it anyway today's another day to find you shying away I'll be coming for you I guess um, what have I been playing recently I've been playing The Messenger uh, recently I um, do you know I've been playing Arcade Paradise for a while for a little bit and I was so excited to play Arcade Paradise because of the whole premise of the game if anyone was unaware of Arcade Paradise you take control of a laundrette um, but you find a little arcade in the back and then what you do is during the day, you know, you, you do all the laundry stuff and you earn money. 
And then with that money, you buy more arcade cabinets and you buy bigger, you know, a bigger space in the back of the laundrette. And then you decide that, you know, it's making a lot of money. Let's carry on doing this. And in the end, you're supposed to have this big, this big massive arcade at the back of a laundrette. Um, but you know, I got a bit bored. I got a bit bored of the of the loop of doing all the laundrette stuff and buying the arcade. So I was like, do you know what? I need something else. I need I need to pick up something else. And I've been intrigued by the Messenger for a long time. I mean, it's a five year old game now, but uh, it it I saw it's in the sale. It was five pound. So uh, I thought, do you know what? Why not? I'll pick it up and have a go. And uh, boy, oh boy, what a game! What a game! And um, are you are, are you two unfamiliar familiar with the Messenger at all, Rich or Chris? This is one where you switch between like uh, eight no, and sixteen no, bits. Oh, no, was it? Right. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> I, I was after a bit of a challenge. I've heard that this game can be quite challenging as well with the platforming. So uh, yeah, I was quite intrigued. And you know, it starts the way in which you would expect it to start, like. It's, you know, you you go from left to right and you, there's lots of platforming, lots of enemies to destroy. Um, and, you know, you go through all these different environments. There's catacombs, there's a forest, you know, the, all these different environments, which is cool. But, um, but you get to a point in the game where you get this power where you can go from 8-bit to 16-bit graphics and it's not just the graphics that do this, it's the sound, it's the music as well. Uh, you know, it flips between a 16-bit soundtrack and an 8-bit soundtrack. It's really cool. Uh, but the game opens up. Um, it turns into something I wasn't expecting. I was just expecting this, like, like I said, left to right platforming game with some challenging sections. But it opens up and it becomes like a little mini metrovania in some ways you know you've got to pick up some powers because you can't you need those to access different areas you get a map and you have to backtrack through areas that you've been through um and there's there was just more to this game than i ever expected and it was just really cool i just had the best time playing the messenger because um, I think it boils back to Celeste when I played Celeste and I loved the challenge that Celeste gave me. It was the first game, first game that had the hard platforming uh, that I played and completed and succeeded with. And I was I, like, I'd never, I never once got angry with that game. No. And that is a testament to yeah. the design of that. Cause I would have been like pissing blood with rage. <laughs> and I was like, this is fine. Let's try again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think Celeste showed the way on how to make a hard platforming game, especially with the respawn points being on point. I don't think it would have worked very well if it had a checkpoint and you had to backtrack through certain sections, which the messenger does in some ways. It has lots of save points, but it does it doesn't have that instant respawn back to that specific point you died, uh, which was slightly annoying in places. But I. It was fine. I I got through that. It was it was cool because everything else was just brilliant. And the the graphics they nailed. It was brilliant. It really felt like I was playing like an uh, a NES game. 
and then flipping through and playing a Super Nintendo game. And that transition between 8-bit and 16-bit was so flawless. It was just gorgeous. And I just loved just going, I think there was a moment I'd spent a few minutes just going back through the beam and going from 8 to 16, 8 to 16, because it was just really cool. Um, but they've they've done some great work with the with the with the art of the game as well. It's just oh, just chef's kiss. But I guess like the the only thing I didn't really like about the messenger was the enemies. Like the enemies were cool, but and they did throw in a few different varieties as you play through the game. But I don't think there was enough. Like you kept coming back and defeating the same enemy over and over and over again. And that did get a little bit repetitive, got a little bit boring on that front. But apart from that, you know, the story was out there. I love the story. It was quality. Some people say that the writing of the messenger is not the greatest. Um, and I could probably see their point in places as well. There, were, there was a, a couple of cool, really like really cool moments in the story where they did something different and it made me laugh anyway, what they, what they did with it and you know, how they, how they progressed the story in that point. But um, yeah, apart from that, I just had a, I just had a blast and I definitely recommend picking it up, uh, especially if you're going to play Sea of Stars like I am afterwards, because there are some, there are some nods to the messenger in Sea of Stars. You, you got um, this on the switch, yeah, right? You two should definitely pick it. Yes. I'm going to have to look that up. Is it called The Messenger? It is. Um, mm. I can't remember how long it took me to play now. I think it's about 10 hours, 10 hour game. I think, top of my head. Um, but, the, but the soundtrack, I must, I must like just give a big quality shout out to the soundtrack of The Messenger because it is gorgeous. I just love the soundtrack. I've been listening to it at work all week just it just pops it's just got it, they've just nailed the the aesthetic of the 8 and then the 16 bit you know and they've got so much of the soundtrack on the game you know they've had to do two different like listings on Spotify because there's too much they've got the 8 bit one and then the 16 bit one it's uh, it's really really cool but yeah no to go pick it up I'm just I'm just looking it up now that looks nostalgic as yeah even so the title many- card with the moon in the background and the silhouette oh man Honestly, Chris, there's so many gems on the Switch you just would fall in love with, whether mm. it's Celeste, whether it's Messenger, yeah. whether it's um, what's the other one I'm thinking of for like the Ninja? Um, come on, Jason, help me out here. Um, well, you can just like, rewind and stuff. The Ninja, you can, like, rewind when you fail and then go back again, and oh man, it's gonna bug me. Oh God. So I said, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But I can't, you can't get the title. I can't place the title. It's it in the something chat zero us. or something. <laughs> I can't remember now. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's gonna bug me now. But Katana. there are so many. Katana like, zero. That's the one. It's a masterpiece. Fantastic game. Yeah, it's so many great yeah, games that game. of that nature. It's oh man. Mm. Yeah. I need to dust my switch off. Yeah. I'll have to look. Like I said, like now that now that summer's over. Now that summer's over for us chefs, um, <laughs> we can sort of like go, oh, right, let's turn everything back on again, shall we? Yeah. Um, but I'm going to definitely let up because that looks stunning. Mm-hmm. 
Well, actually, you can almost hear the hear the music just by looking at the pictures. Oh, mate, just just pop it on Spotify. They're like that's just, they're just bangers one after another. They're just they're just gorgeous, like eight bit and sixteen bit chip tune um, pieces, and they're just oh, they're just beautiful. I love them. Um, but as we've got a bit of time, yeah. As we've got a bit of time, um, there's something else I did want to talk about briefly uh, before we move on to Rich's pick, and that is a show that I went to last week uh, called Wi-Fi Wars. Have you ever two ever heard of the Wi-Fi Wars? Never. No, but if anyone's on Plusnet, we had that two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, uh, Wi-Fi Wars is hosted by a guy called Steve McNeil. And Steve McNeil is someone who's come from uh, a show called Video Game Nation, I believe it's called, or what people may know more so is Dara O'Brien's Go 8-Bit. And that show was Duh. a... Uh, <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't get the link. I like that. That's I didn't put the two together. Um, if anyone's unfamiliar with Go 8-Bit, it was like... Um, like a comedy panel show, but with video games and they had to do challenges uh, with celebrity guests and all that kind of stuff. And they had, you know, they just had fun and it was quite a loose and quite a funny show. Um, but what he does now is this show that he goes around the country with, it's called Wi-Fi Wars. And we went to see it last weekend. And do you know what? It was really, really good fun. And I feel like it, like Wi-Fi Wars deserves more attention than what it probably gets. It was a cheap show. The four of us, me, the wife, and the two kids, we all went for 30 quid in total. Um, wow. But what, what happens in Wi-Fi what happens in Wi-Fi Wars is that you you have to use your mobile phone and we're basically playing games the whole show. And they they get you to connect to their Wi-Fi when you join and put they put your phone in airplane mode, join their Wi-Fi, and then go to their website. And then they've got the technology, I don't know how they do it, to like send you the games onto your f- mobile phone. Um, and these games ranged from playing Pac-Man to Wordle to Bejeweled, um, uh, Gallagher... Um and and Dragon's Lair. We even played Dragon's Lair. Um But you you are pitted, you you get put in the blue team or the red team and you're playing against the each team as well. So you've got a bit of competitiveness about it. But not only that, but you're playing for you you get an individual score as well. So you you get that um a, a league come up, top ten of people that have got the highest points as well while you're playing all these different games. And, you know, it was just so much fun. You had the competitiveness of trying to beat the other team, of trying to be the better, you know, trying to uh, get higher up on the chart. And the games themselves were just brilliant and, like, so clever as well, just just to be able to beat them to your mobile phone and and be able to play them on your phone as well. And the, the Dragon's Lair game that we played was a collaborative version as well. So it was like our team played first and we all had to press the right direction for for the right thing to happen in the game. And if we all didn't right. press the right direction, then we would die um, and things like that. And then obviously we scored points on how far you got through the game and, and this, that and stuff. Um, just and the Pac-Man game was a, 
was a little bit of a twist. You scored more points if you got the big pellets and then just try to eat as many ghosts as you could. That, that earns you more points and such. So just it was just a really fun a really fun show and I just wanted to bring it bring it out to, to at least a few people that might be listening to just go and seek it out. They're touring all over the UK and um, you should definitely uh, take a look. It's cheap, you know, and it's a good fun couple of hours. Uh, of video gamers just yeah really good fun and i did i didn't finish in the top 10 at the end of the show but i did get into the top 10 at at a point so i was pleased and i think i did (laughs) i think i came first in one of the games out of everyone that was there i think there was about 100 people um which was bejeweled (laughs) well come on it's an old classic i know um, so yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was an amazing time and you guys should definitely check it out. What's your pick, mate? For video games, I've been incredibly, incredibly unfocused. Um, Been playing a load of retro stuff on Steam Deck. Been playing some of the Gex games, like Gex 3D with uh, Leslie Phillips and uh, Danny John Jules. (laughs) Those are classics. Um, God, I haven't played those in years. (laughs) Nothing quite like a 3D platformer with Leslie Phillips going, oh, hello. (laughs) It's just, you don't get that in Mario 64, <laughs> you know, you just don't get that. Um, other than retro, um, I've been basically obsessed with one demo, not a full game, just a demo, and that's for a new survival horror game, an indie survival horror game called Tenebris Tenebri or Tenebris Somnia. Um, it is a 8-bit indie horror that's... survival horror that sound that is kind of inspired by the likes of clock tower um what else am i thinking of now um and i guess kind of resident evil um it's an 8-bit side scrolling kind of point and click game but you play as a young woman that goes to visit her boy her ex-boyfriend in his apartment and then ends up getting stalked by a two-faced monster um the thing that's different about this game is that although the gameplay is 8-bit and proper pixel art all the cutscenes are live action and it's fucking terrifying the the cutscenes are beautifully directed (laughs) they are terrifying and then it just throws you back to the 8-bit gameplay and it doesn't feel jarring They, they do an incredibly great job of replicating the live action environment and the 8-bit environment like to the point there's a bit in the demo where i'm going to leave my boyfriend's apartment and you can see all the posters on the wall and then it cuts to a live action cutscene. all the posters are there but they've actually created them in real life they're not just pixelated art and 
Yeah. The bit in the demo, there's a bit in the demo in the cutscene is really, really unnerving. And it really works with the 8-bit gameplay. It doesn't feel disjointed. They make it feel scary, even though it's really primitive. And it's just so different. I really can't speak highly enough of it. I mean, the demo is probably 20 minutes long. Um, but it's coming to Steam, and I imagine it's coming to Switch. It's just really worth it. I mean, it this thing would run on a potato. Like, the spec is nothing on it for obvious reasons. <laughs> and I just love the direction of the uh, of the live action. It kind of mar- it basically merges those two beautiful worlds of 8-bit games and, like, CD-ROM, uh, FMV games that used to get in, like, the early mid-90s. And it's fantastic. So download mm. the demo for Tenebris Somnia. It's great. So It sounds really cool. Mm. I, lo- I love... See, this is one of the things I love about indie games is just how out there they go. Yeah. And to think... And to come up with that idea of blending, f- you know, live-action scenes with an 8-bit game, that's crazy. But it works. I love it. It's brilliant. I definitely... Uh, are you playing that on Steam? Yeah. Yeah. Got it on the Steam Deck. It's, it's great. Okay. Yeah, it's all optimised as well. I mean, this thing will be great on the Switch as well, which I assume it is coming to the Switch. It seems perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I can't see what other formats it's coming on but i would be convinced it's coming to the switch so i think it's like a norwegian or finnish game or something but yeah it's great so give it give it a shot how gory does it get rich oh i mean what i've played it's not really much of anything like it's some pixelated blood like you go into the the apartment you see like blood on the floor you see kind of like ritual markings like there's blood on the door and there's all kind of like pentagram kind of shit nothing bloody i mean nothing bloody i saw in the cut scene but the cut the cut scene that's in the demo is fucking horrifying <laughs> it's really unnerving you see it in the trailer as well <laughs> there's just one shot when she's been pursued down the corridor by this like monster it's horrible it's really really horrible and I thought I feel like they do such a good job with the live action; it carries over really well to the eight bit, and it gives it some added weight and terror. And you don't even think, "Oh, yeah, it's pixel art. How scary can it be?" It, it's it basically serves it incredibly well, and it makes the whole thing quite scary, even though it's blocky pixel art. It's like being scared at playing Horace. You know, it's just it really is like that. It's. It's a scary Horace <laughs> with live action. So, well, to be fair, nothing scarier than that sitting down. So, so, so yeah. jarring. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I just can't imagine. Like, it lulls you into that sense of familiarity. Mm. You got your eight bit, and then all of a sudden, you turn like, "Whoa, what the fuck going on?" Like, does like does it like completely throw you off like that? It didn't. I mean, it helped obviously that I. From the trailer, I got the conceit of it, and I thought, okay, I'm in. So I was waiting for the live action, and I was just like, yes, I can do this. How scary is this going to be? And then when it went back to date bit, I thought, okay, it's going to be a bit like a gimmick. I didn't, it's weird how it felt natural. I didn't feel like it was just disconnected. 
it was yeah i don't know what they did but they just really made it work um it'll be interesting to see how it goes over the course of a full game but for the demo i thought it was just so unique that i was just completely sold on the on the concept so yeah I, I i'm itching for the full game to come out and i'm not traditionally a survival horror person i like my horror but i don't like necessarily playing horror and maybe the 8-bit visuals kind of softened it for me. And then the cutscenes feel like I'm just watching a horror film, which I like to do. So it kind of, yeah, it's it's appealing. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, well worth it. If you like your horror, you like your horror games, definitely. So give it a shot. Definitely. That, that sounds as, as weird and twisted and unique as the animated Lord of the Rings, where I'd go from traditional animation to rotoscope people in armour. Anyone remember that? The old Vaguely. animated Lord of the Rings from the 70s? Vaguely. Vaguely. <laughs> he got his like, beautifully animated bit with the hobbits and Gandalf, and then it shot shoots to is it an, the Sauron's army or something, and it's just dudes that have been roughly rotoscoped in a studio. <laughs> it's just so weird. But I'm gonna have to check that game. I'm gonna have to check that game out because that sounds. I'll put it in the WhatsApp later because the title really is a bit like what? How's that spell? So yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if you could clarify it, but it just sounds it sounds it sounds like that might be um, a, a tr- troublesome for them, I guess, in some ways by giving it such a name like that. How do you think? Oh, you mean like from a, from a promotional standpoint? Yeah, I get you. It's not exactly catchy, right? But yeah, I think it's no. Latin or something. I think tenebri, tenebri or tenebris means darkness. Apparently, um, I'm not sure what somnia means. So, oh, okay, yeah, I did my homework. Cool. All right. Nice. <laughs> Um, anything else, Rich? Been watching anything good? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I've been watching uh, a documentary. <laughs> I know, crazy, huh? I watched a documentary called um, "The Lost The Lost Century and How to Reclaim It," which is basically exposing how, um, for the last century, we've been discovering forms of clean, like zero point energy so not proper good renewable sources of energy that don't mess the planet up so whether it's water-based it's based on the gravity of the earth um there is other forms as well basically anything that's not fossil fuel that's damaging the planet um we're creating these forms of energy to power vehicles to power national grids to just you know keep society moving on but they're being suppressed by the powers that be be it the governments be it the um, fossil fuel companies because obviously it doesn't really help their bottom line so we've just basically been languishing for the last hundred years with primitive you know jet jets powered by jet fuel killing the planet we've got people experiencing like um fuel poverty food poverty um and obviously accelerating climate climate change and global warming 
while um, there's this other form out there that's just being hidden. So the people that have come up with it, that have tested it, trialed it, they're being murdered. They're having their um, discoveries. Basically, they're going to patent them to obviously get additional funding to kind of move it along, kick the can down the road a bit. But they're being denied um, because the government doesn't want anything to do with it. Because in the background... You've got a shadow government that has their own military, has their own air travel, <laughs> that are pulling all the strings, and they don't want this discovery to hurt the bottom line of the fuel companies that are basically giving them money. And I know this sounds like one of those crazy, like conservative talk radio, truther, UFO kind of documentaries. And I won't lie, I was a bit of a cynical prick going in, but it's really quite good, and it's quite based. And I was like, oh, it's going to be proper tinfoil hat kind of shit. And no, it had a lot of really good stuff to say. It was quite compelling. It's narrated by Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit. Cheer! Um... <laughs> Which was a was a bold <laughs> choice, a bold choice, because I thought that guy was a bit of a Tory, um, but no. So apparently, he's it's just it was a fascinating watch, and obviously, I feel like maybe the first half it was a bit of a Trojan horse. It was a very crowd, it was a very grounded conversation about people discovering this new forms of energy and how they're being suppressed. Then it kind of pivots to. Everything has happened since 1954 and um, New Mexico, Roswell, alien ships being captured, um, technology being um, basically, um, what's it, like retro-engineered, whatever. I forget the word now. Um, They're using the alien technology to basically push forward new forms of technology for, you know, mankind but then it's being suppressed because it's to the betterment of society. It's going to allow people to live free of just everything that comes with fossil fuel, um, the expense, the pollution, everything. And they're just suppressing it. They don't want people to know about it. They don't want to share that and, you know, help prop up third world nations. It's, this documentary goes really, really deep. Um, and I really thought I was going to be watching it semi-ironically, but I really kind of bought into it. I I hear questionable things about the main speaker in the documentary. I think his name's... Is it Jonathan Greer? I forget. Chris might correct me. I think Stephen, of, Stephen, Greer. Stephen Greer. I've heard things about him Stephen being... Greer. Yeah, I've heard things about him being a bit of a grifter and that maybe some of his intentions aren't purely uh, sound, but the case he's making, the cause he's fighting for is kind of noble. So I I don't know if he's going to be a grifter, then he's probably not the worst grifter. Um, I get it. There's money to be made doing talks about this stuff, but what he's selling i was kind of buying um it's 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 a really nuts documentary and i really liked it again it's on all the streaming platforms it's also on youtube for free um 
yeah, I'd, I'd say watch it. Go in with an open mind. Don't be a cynical twat like me. Uh, you might come away with some quite juicy bits of information and it might change your view on basically how kind of messed up the world is and how we're just basically being screwed over by governments and private um the private sector yeah if you're a filthy commie like me and you don't believe in wealth and you think you know everything should be free then you should watch it it's really quite good so yeah, that's why I watch. Yeah, um, I had no idea it existed. <laughs> Go on, Chris. What are you going to say? I had no idea it existed until last night. And I checked the chat and I was like, I said to you guys, that how did that pass me by? So I found it on YouTube, set up till half midnight last night, <laughs> watching it. And and like Rich, I'm kind of skept- I'm skeptical. I'm very cynical, but also... Like, there's quite a lot of people, and again, you don't want to label yourself a truther or or any of those monikers, but when people, like, and again, another, I listen to a lot of podcasts, they can come across as tinfoil hat podcasts, but actually, there's a lot of sense spoken in them about, like we just said, like, suppression. And the only reason, and there's, um, is it Dr. A.V. Loeb is another one who's outspoken yeah. on the whole technology side. Yeah. And if that rings bell, um, he's the guy who's recently dredged uh, the Pacific Ocean for uh, alien alloys. <laughs> he made the news <laughs> the other day. But, um, <laughs> and there's, there's a lot of people that will say, like, yeah, I'm skeptical about everything, but not about the suppression of certain technologies. There's a reason why there's a suppression of certain technologies because when the elites at the top control the commodities, they control humanity. And they don't like the thought of them not being in control. Mm-hmm. Because when people go off grid, but if the whole world goes off grid, they're fucked. And that's why the oil industry and the gas industry is so lucrative because they can control it. Mm-hmm. And if they haven't got control of the stuff that they're giving us technology wise, they're drip feeding us technological advances. Like, like there's ne- there's a never ending technological advance every 18 months to three years, new phones, new computer, new computer systems. Mm-hmm. Why is that being drip drip fed? If we've had this stuff, for decades why new technology is being drip fed to us like solar panels only became real mainstream what a decade ago for houses pretty much yeah a decade ago 15 yeah, years ago pretty much and why was that not available when the technology was what in the eight 70s 80s maybe even in the 60s and suppression is the worst thing especially when and again, we can go into the Scientology rant as well about targeted. Let's not, eh? No. Uh, Wait for the Battlefield Earth episode, Chris. No, I'm going to be yeah. out for that. Uh, it, it's targeted takedowns that is the worst, where these people just literally disappear off the face of the earth with no record. Where is Shane Miscavige? Like, they. they exactly. And it's like the Nik- Nikola Tesla. Like, 
I've known about Nikola Tesla's stuff for a few years. Um, I was quite obsessed on it about 10, 15 years ago. How right? If he could, if he could tap into the energy field of the Earth, which is gravitational, magnetic, electrical, and heat and cold, right? If he could balance that, pull the power out of you know the Earth system, and he was literally either either poisoned or suppressed to a point where he had no money. He was living rent free in a hotel room when he died, I believe. And the and again in this documentary that I watched last night, with Rich just talked about, they cleared his safe out within what said twelve hours of his death. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Something something weird is going on there, isn't it? I mean, and all these people who are caught with these genius inventions. And they don't. What I got from the documentary last night was a lot of people are scared to make open source because the elites at the top will be able to find out when it was posted, from what computer, from what mm-hmm. IP, from what location, and hunt them down. So they don't open source it out of fear of being taken down. That is why they have them over a barrel with a shotgun to their back of their heads. Yeah, is because they're scared to. They're scared to. They could change the world, but they're scared to because the elites at the top won't let them because they can control consumerism, and it's awful. Mm-hmm. Fascinating documentary. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, really fascinating. They spoke to my part, Tim Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> my, How, my... Like, I was going to say, like, um, you know, you watch a lot of documentaries, and like, you know, you can see that the the people who've made them have kind of edited it into a certain way to make it look maybe more in the way of the story they're trying to say than what actually reality was. I mean, do you think this documentary has done anything in the editing in that? It, it To me, it never once came off as kind of crass. It, it doesn't have that, like, Netflix documentary sheen of, like, later Netflix documentaries where it's overproduced and it's kind of infotainment, like, lowest common denominator garbage. I thought it was very professionally done, very restrained. Yeah actually it felt smart like it didn't feel like it was trying to create a narrative and trying to nudge you along into thinking a certain thing you know no i was really no, impressed. It, kept, it kept itself quite ambiguous um yeah it was it would think of it as like a ted talk with some archive footage thrown in Fred the edit it, it took itself seriously and yeah fred dust and that, that was what I found great. Like I, I, I've got this obsession with flat earthers for, like, the reason being, like, out of sheer fascination to how their brains work. There is such I'm a not globe a cuck, earther. Chris. I'm, I'm a cynical, like, <laughs> you know, And I watched um, Beyond the Curve out of sheer interest. And there was also another documentary that that came up on my search and right this is this this is me like um check right i can't remember if it was this documentary or another but one of the producers and presenter went by the name of chris pontius oh. if anyone knows jackass you know that that's chris Pont- right it oh, is boy. not the uh, same it is not the same chris pontius right okay but i went on a rabbit hole and yeah 
with the old uh, leopard print. Um, yeah. And um, I was like, please tell me. Yeah, please tell me Party Boy is not a flat earther. And I was like, I watched and I was like, oh, thank fuck. It's not saying Chris Pontius. However, I watched, I watched the whole thing and Beyond the Curve and how those people's brains work should be donated to medical and mm. psychological science because there's uh, some weird weird networking con- like, oh it's, it's so it's so strange so chris so chris what you're <laughs> saying is that you don't believe that if you sail to the edge of the earth and you get to the ice wall you won't be stopped by fbi agents because <laughs> that's apparently what they believe it's like no stop <laughs> i love it uh yeah you get told to yeah. turn around. And, like, I love those animations. Yeah, yeah. Go back the way you came. Like those oh, great animations where it says how how flat earthers think that they get to, where is it, fly to Australia? They go oh. up, over, up over Canada, around the ice sheet, all the way around, and then stop off Australia. There are, there so, are no non-stop flights, Chris. There's sure no non-stop Australia. flights on the flat earth. You know, It's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it just oh, it's just it is worth getting extremely drunk and watching a flat Earth documentary. <laughs> and it and uh, what was I think they interviewed a guy or did I? It was a separate thing, but he used to be a flat Earther during COVID because mm. he had no contact with family mm. and he lost friends and family because of his obsession with flat Earth. And he came out as this, you know, the ex-flat earther. And he was quite honest and he got tearful because he was like, I, I got sucked in. Mm. Like, like, like any kind of cult, really, I suppose you could say. You get sucked into things. Mm. And if you're lonely, that's the worst kind of place to be other than Scientology. And moving on. <laughs> I mean, what I liked about this documentary, I like the... The case it's making, whereas you get things like flat Earth, where it's like, oh, you know, they're they're trying to hide the truth from us that the Earth's flat for reasons. Whereas this, with suppression of you know advanced technology, clean energy, there's actually a reason why they would hide it from us and deceive us, you know, because money. Yeah. What's the benefit of you know telling mm-hmm. people the Earth's a globe? <laughs> who knows other than to you know deny the existence of god or something i don't know what that could be i don't know i don't know i don't know what the end game is for flat earth whereas this i get it you know boo capitalism boo it makes a bit and, more sense yeah in and and yeah and and weirdly there's one film on one film only that inspired this um channel's name Spaceballs oh. <laughs> puts capitalism in the most perfect light ever that I've ever seen in a film, and it's just like exactly that is suppression, isn't it? It's just like um, you're attracted to me because I have money and power, and I have mm-hmm. both. And it's just like, yeah, that's most of the elites that run the world. I think there's only what five or six major families that literally run the world. And one of those families, I think it's the Rothschilds, can trace their lineage back be, be careful, about Chris, be three careful. and a half to four thousand years. <laughs> Treading on thin ice, Chris. Be careful. Yeah. Um, 
No, I'm not going to say anything. No, they I know. Trace their lineage yeah, back totally. that far. They, that, that family has been that they have been in charge of most of the world. Don't need to mute Finances. him. <laughs> oh dear. This is where our stream just this is where our stream just gets cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's an interesting pick, dude. Um it's certainly a, a um an area in which I didn't think that we'd approach on the show, but it, I, I didn't yeah, cool either to, 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 to have a chat about it. So um, yeah. <laughs> I, I got I got four Guinnesses in me, and I was on the train home watching it. I was like, "Yeah, I'm talking about this tomorrow." So, oh god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it because I didn't know it existed, and it made my evening go. very happy last yeah. night. I got up this morning with a spring in my step because I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> fucking bastards." Well, you can tell that Chris <laughs> I, that I, had woken up a bit last uh, night when you when you saw it on the WhatsApp. It was like, yeah. Ooh. Well, well, you I said see, all my favourite people are there. How do you know any of these people? I know Fred Durst. That's it. <laughs> like, well, no. When I say favourite people, I mean people I'm familiar with from other documentaries and other like like uh, interviews that I've been doing. That I'm not going to mention okay. your because we'll be slapped with some NDA. <laughs> yeah, you get a knock at the door in a minute. And, but. It's, it's just very interesting and I was just like yeah I'm watching that <laughs> I'm not going into yeah. this chat tonight without watching that documentary I think it's uh, pretty much time to wrap up for the, for the night, but there is a couple of things left for us to do before we do so. And the first is that we did have some, we did have a listener um, give us a voice message that they wanted to share with the world on our live stream. Um, and it's it's from the it's from uh, Limp Biscuit from the Discord. And uh, he just wanted to update everybody on a couple of things that he's been up to recently. So let's have a listen. Hello, Wolfie Pod. I just wanted to say what I'm looking forward to. And well, I suppose there's two things that I'm looking forward to. The first is the rest of Star Trek Lower Deck Season 4. Because as of recording, I've seen the first two episodes of Season 4. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. This is easily the best of the new Star Trek shows. And that's because... It knows exactly what it is. It's a silly animated comedy with lots of Easter eggs. The tone is consistent, you know what to expect, but it throws in the odd little shot now and again. And then the second thing that I'm looking forward to is finally completing Baldur's Gate 3. I've put it on hold for a couple of weeks because I want Larian Studios to update Act 3, get all the bugs out. Uh, and I'm actually surprised how much I'm enjoying the game, considering I'm not a lover of turn-based combat. Uh, but again, really enjoying it. Can't wait to complete it. And that's it for me. All the best, Wolf Pod. Loving your podcasts and now live streams. Yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks, mate, for um, for uh, submitting that. That was awesome. Thanks, and uh, I think you, I mean, me and Chris will wholeheartedly agree with you on uh, on Lower Decks. Yeah. And being one of the best Star Trek shows. Um, it is the best recent, recent Star Trek series because. <laughs> 
again, like he said, and we've said many times before, it knows what it is. It's it's not a parody. It is a comedy show that's done with a pure love and affection for what came before. And it respects it. Whereas, I don't know who's still in the chat or watching live, but the recent animated very short treks are god-awful. Oh my god, <laughs> they are so bad. They missed the whole point of... They just missed the whole point of what the animated series was in the 70s. It took itself seriously, even though it could be a bit wacky, but the people writing these new ones just completely missed the point. But Lover so, Decks... What, it, what are these, what it, are these shorts? So I'm, I'm not familiar with these other shorts at all. What are these they've released? When Discovery first came out, they did... They called them short treks. So they were like five or ten minute mini episodes, essentially. Okay. And they would either be complete standalones, uh, unique stories, or they would bridge the gap between other series and shows. Uh, so there was a, a, a mini episode about 12 minutes long, which um, happened before Star Trek Picard's first season or second season and explained some of the things like an attack on Mars, basically. And it set up some of the things that happened in that following season. But these are called very short treks. Mm. And it's done in the style of the animated series to celebrate its 50th. But they have completely missed the point of what Star Trek is. And it's not, it's not funny. It's more just insulting and embarrassing that those of well, you... Mint Biscuit in the chat says uh, very cringe. Yeah, they're just... I don't know what happens because the people writing it clearly have no idea what they have. But the people doing Lower Decks, they know exactly what they have. And it's done out of pure love and affection. And it's done well and it's done tastefully. And I can't watch it's... wait to watch episode three because <laughs> they go back to the, the planet from DS9 with their um, <laughs> Alamarine, let, can take me home. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just love the whole concept of it. I just love to watch a live action show of just people living in the lower decks, you know? But that's, um, I don't that's, know what, just haven't done it before. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I loved about the crossover. The crossover could have gone drastically wrong, but it didn't because if they they didn't mention that they were from an animated universe into a live-action universe, you just accept that it's the same universe, just one iteration that we watch is animated and one is live-action. They both happen in the same universe, and... You know, it's it takes itself seriously, and that's what Star Trek has done and always has done. Yes, there are wacky, wacky, wacky silly episodes, but the new very short treks are really poor taste and not funny. I don't think I laughed once in the two of them. And what makes me sad is they've got um, some actors back um, for them, like Connor Trenier's back from Enterprise for the first time in, what, 18 years since that show ended? Mm-hmm. And... After seeing these first two very short tracks, I'm extremely, extremely worried as to what <laughs> they're going to do. Because yeah. an, an actor finds a job and they do the job. But so far, I'm not impressed. And I was really excited for them. And it's just unfunny. 
just I have no good things to say so far about the very short tracks. Oh, but positive no. stuff. Very positive uh, for lower decks. It's so, sorry, Chris. I uh, just wanted to mention the biscuit saying in the chat that he he thinks that the the short tracks are just basically an advertisement for Paramount Plus. Yeah, that's all. Oh, I've just seen that now. Yeah, I just see. Totally agree. Yeah, and it's not a very good advert either because people who haven't seen Star Trek before see these two animated shorts and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Because it misses the point. It totally misses the point of what makes Star Trek Star Trek, and whoever's writing them and producing them just don't, just stop, just don't air anymore, <laughs> don't air anymore. I don't care. I don't want to see them. Just don't air the fucking things. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm also with you, uh, Lit Biscuit, on the turn-based strategy games as well. They've always kind of put me off playing oh, yeah. them. I tried Octopath Traveler once, and uh, I think I lasted about an hour or two before I got fed up of doing constant turn-based battles and not really progressing the game as much as I wanted the game to be going as much. Yeah. Because I was just kept getting stuck having to do all these battles and grinding and everything so yeah they they ruined they ruined yakuza with that i guess the only ones that kind of appealed to me oh did they oh no yeah we did with the last one so how much you like that series yeah Mm. yeah not happy Mm. that's a shame dude but i mean that there are there are a couple of um games in that genre though that i have enjoyed in the past like the mario and luigi games you know they're, they're kind of turn-based strategy games but they do in a different fashion um to to games like octopath traveler and th- those kind of ones and paper mario as well was another one so basically mario rpgs which is <laughs> turn-based games are the ones i, I enjoy and south park um, so yeah I'm, I'm kind of with you but i'm glad you enjoy them bob i've never played that game yeah, that is I a really game should play that. I have not heard from in a very long while. And yeah. Yeah, I haven't played Jason, the Fractured you, Butthole, you, but just, yeah. Stick to Truth oh. is fantastic. Well, they're on the Switch. It's on the Switch, isn't it? The, so the Stick of Truth excuse. goes so far back as the World of Warcraft episode was out of South Park. That's how, <laughs> that's how goddamn old that game is now. But we oh, still we still got them both on my old 360 in the loft. We still okay. own, uh, so and yeah, we unfortunately the UK had the edited version of the famous um, stage in the game. Yeah, of course we would, you know, because we're the UK. Do, do, but yeah, do you know of it, Jason? What's that? Sick of truth. Is that the Mister Slave bit when you're, in, you're inside? No, Mr. The, the, the scene in question. Not the parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, I'm just going to come and say it. Basically, you've got to perform an abortion. Oh, yeah. Right. The, the trouble and is with South Park <laughs> is... Sorry. It got completely like... On 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 the UK version, it was either heavily censored. I can't, it's been so long since I played it. Oh, man. It was either heavily censored or completely removed or just implied. I think it was, um, yeah, I think yeah. it was maybe implied <laughs> at, at best. So, I was, just, I was like, I, I remember putting my 360 controller down and going, what <laughs> <laughs> did, what did, did we just do? 
<laughs> well, I definitely need to play it now. Apparently, so especially <laughs> when you go, good. especially when you go I to Canada. That, so, but... when you go to Canada, oh my god, that's the best oh, thing okay. ever. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I can, I can kind of imagine where it goes. Yeah, it but, changes, yeah. changes genre. Um, oh, it's just yeah. stunning. Lo- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stick it on the wish list and make wait for a sale, and uh, oh, I'll good. pick it up. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad you're enjoying Baldur's Gate 3. It's a game that scares me. I will not be going anywhere near that game. Um, you know, uh, it's impressive enough that I picked up and um, and am enjoying Sea of Stars, which I'll probably talk about in the next fast forward. Um, so yeah, kudos to you, dude. I'm, I'm glad you're glad you're enjoying it. Anyone um, I guess got any only... interest in Starfield? Is it Starfield that's just been released? I played uh, no, no interest over here. Half hour of it, no, uh... and I was like, okay, seems alright. And then I heard people saying basically, oh, it gets really good twenty to thirty hours in. I was like, yeah, I'm not playing this. Fuck that. I've got better things to do. So <laughs> yeah. see, that was like like all those games, like like um, Skyrim, World of Warcraft, and what was, is it? No Man's Sky. Yeah, which is. Really I have no good interest of riding yeah. a horse. Yeah, uh, I have no interest in riding things like a horse or traveling. And yes, I like my Star Trek and sci-fi, but that's TV entertainment at a television pace. Mm. I'm not going to sit there for like ten hours doing absolutely nothing, waiting for something to happen. I like, mean, no. What is it's what's really no. what's really captivating about like No Man's Sky? At least is like it's generally really cool when you actually fly to a planet, you enter its atmosphere and you land. Starfield, as much as everyone's been hyping it up, it's punctuated with, with loading screens. So you choose the planet, you get a little bit near it, loading screen yeah, heard. goes to yeah. animation of you landing the ship. It's like, well, wow. that's completely shit as far as immersion goes. All this talking they've been doing about this game, I'm like, I've played No Man's Sky. Like That's kind of where it's at. Like so, forget Starfield. Um, it's kind of instantaneous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's shit, shit. Even so if you go into your ship as well, if my you go introduction into your ship, to... you even when you go into your ship and you go up to your cockpit, that's split by a loading screen as well. So you stand at the base of the ladder, and it's like you get a little prompt saying "go to cockpit" or whatever. You press A, loading screen, then you're in a cockpit. It's like no, nah, that's not good. That's not good at all. That's not good. Oh, my God. See, my, my introduction to Starfield was ra- randomly um, Adam Savage was building a miniature for the PR stuff. Okay. So they'd 3D printed this miniature in one second scale, and it looks gorgeous. They've Him and a few old ILM people have worked on this miniature. They've really done wonders with it, lighting systems, everything. So I had no idea what it was. So I started watching him do the build, and I was like, Starfield, what the fuck's that? This is about a week ago, two weeks ago. Looked it up, so oh, it's a game. And I had, I was like, yeah, that'll do. I have no interest in that. As soon as I saw the breed. It's just too big. I was like, yeah, just too... no. I, I don't have enough yeah. time to invest. That's no, too big. Give me a, a six to seven hour do anything. indie narrative game or a racing game or... Yeah. That's I, I have not got time for that shit. I have not got time. So nope. I and and for something now for something completely different, Gary Gary Davis in the chat has just mentioned Letters Live. I love Letters Live. I watch Letters Live all the time. 
and Matt Berry is great. Oh, Matt Berry. Do you oh, guys shit. ever watch Letters Live? I've never watched it. So no. I don't know anything about it. No, oh, my look, look up, look up Letters Live on YouTube. They, they basically they get letters that have been sent or emails that have been sent to companies or for feedback or just general letters that have been found in like apartments or holiday rentals or complaints. And some of them go back for like hundred years, two hundred years. And these really, the celebs and actors and performers and singers, they get to do them. Like Steve Coogan's read a few, Matt Berry, um, who else? Like Martin Freeman, Graham Norton, Michael Gambon. <laughs> they read these letters and it's, they're fascinating when they put their spin on those letters. But yeah, just, just look up mm-hmm. Letters Live and it's just fascinating to watch. And also, okay. it's also fascinating what people choose to write about and tell people about and send it. So like, just keep that to yourself. That doesn't need to be said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get Fair it. Enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give, give them a look, especially as they're quite short videos then. I'll, uh, yeah, they're like uh, two be, or five minutes long. Um, oh, okay. And there oh, was, yeah, definitely worth a watch then. There was one, I can't remember who who was reading it. I'm sure, was it Benedict Cumberbatch was one of them? And they were reading the letters and the replies. So one actor was standing on the stage reading the reply to the original letter that the first actor was reading. And it's 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 very interesting. But Matt Berry sells it. It's just glorious. Matt Berry, please be in everything. <laughs> please, please, please. Okay, I think we've kept these good people here long enough. One more thing to do before we do go, and that's just to announce the winner of the the Horace competition. So, uh, um, I mean, I've, I've got the winner right here already to go. So, uh, let's have a drum roll. Ready? Oh, that didn't work very well, did it? <laughs> That's a joke. It's a drum one or drum two, and it didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I won't be using the React feature on this anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I snagged well the winner was. The winner was uh, Dead Pete Punk. Uh, so, well done, mate. Thanks very much for entering. And you do get yourself a copy of Horace on your platform right. of choice. So get in touch and you will have, oh, I don't know, an amazing time because it is an amazing game. It's a wonderful Horace, game. Horace, yeah, it's a, such a lovely little game. Hard as balls as well. But thank you, everyone, uh, in the chat. Yeah, it does get quite challenging. Yeah, I will give it that. Um, I did. I think I did actually when we talked to Paul, the the the, the developer of the game. Um, I was like, you do realise you did play, make it quite yeah very challenging. <laughs> but you know, like he said, a, oh, I didn't think I didn't think it was that challenging. He said, and I was like, okay. There, there's cool. a few parts of Horace where I remember sitting there and I was like, how can a game this quaintly animated and designed? be harder than some of the hardest games I've ever played. And I remember putting my Switch down. I was like, I'm going to give it a week. And it was a month. <laughs> and, I, and it ended up turning into a month after I died. I'll, I'll pick it up again and give it a go. It's like, it's just like frustrated doing the same thing over and over and over again for hours. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. But Horace, it, Horace kind of just, I don't know, like you play certain games and they just grab you, don't they? And you can't really put it down and you're, you get quite persistent mm-hmm. or insistent that you're going, you're not going anywhere until you've done this section of the game, uh, no matter how difficult it is. And that, that's what Horace did for me. And 
I, I pushed myself to, to keep going and eventually to get through those tricky things. But uh, yeah, a great game and uh, you'll have an amazing time with it. Um, yeah thank you to everyone who joined us in the chat really do appreciate it we didn't think we'd get anybody i thought we'd just be talking to ourselves to be honest so the fact that uh, we had one or two we had three at one point come in and see what we're up to it really means a lot to us you know um so from the bottom of our hearts thank you very much thank for, you. for thank you spending your friday evening with us yeah, yeah it really does mean a lot to us but um should be watching yeah, Eurotrash. Uh, please go people. and check out the website <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, we we need, Channel 4. We need to do a whole episode of Euro Trash because I've said it before and I'll always say it. That show is a masterpiece of television. Yeah. It was that's done. Friday, Friday nights, right yeah. there. Right. We, it, we definitely should. Yeah. Yeah. We should definitely do Euro Trash one day. A show done so well that everyone thought it was an actual show. It's like, no. Yes. <laughs> it was beautiful. But yeah, please go and check the website out. It's got all the stuff on there, uh, all the episodes, all the links, some articles, game reviews. And uh, if you enjoy what we do, then please go and give us a donation on coffee. And um, please come and see us in the Discord. We would love to see you there. And um, where, you know, it's your chance to come and do what Link Biscuit did today and get your thoughts onto the show. And uh, you know, maybe down the line, hoping maybe have some exclusive competitions just for the members of Discord. So yeah, please come and say hello in there. Uh, all the links on the website. So yeah, that'd be great. Uh, but chaps, time to say goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell. <laughs> uh, my name's been Jason, and uh, we'll see you all back in the past. <laughs> <laughs>